That song is awesome. Like he's calling you out early saying you're going to get stirred up and then it stirs you up. Like that's a great song. What a wonderful way to end this time together singing that beautiful song. I pray that that's exactly what the Lord is doing. Stirring up a spirit within you to go out and do the wonderful work in his name and to bow down at his feet and let his power come into you and carry out that work. It's been a privilege to get to come and share some things from the Word of God today. I would invite you please to open your Bibles to the words of Jesus in John chapter 12. When we get into our study tonight, that's where we'll begin in John 12. While you're getting settled there, let me just say a few words. I know like long preacher last night, you guys don't care about any of that stuff. And my only chance to come back is to keep it short on the last night. That's like in the preacher book. But this is my third time to be here. I'm uplifted every time. It was two and a half years ago. I'm thankful to Nate and Keith and Zach. They shepherd this work. It's a growing work. That's a lot of moving parts, a lot of new souls, a lot of conversations. And for them to allow me to come in and especially have hours of time with the young people here, shaping the way maybe that they think and act, and then present things to this church, I do not take that lightly at all, and I just consider it a really great privilege to be a part of it. So thank you for welcoming me. It's good to see G5 over there. Love that guy. Uh, he was doing some father duty today, and our, and our prayers are with you guys, with Caleb. It's just, we pray for Caleb and Kendall that they do amazing work. I love his spirit, just the things I've heard them do, podcasts and otherwise. Love it. Very thankful, and I take great memories home with me. So thank you for all of your support and kindness. I want to tell you a little bit about my family as we conclude tonight. My daughter, Hannah, is 21 years old, and the last time I was here was about two and a half years ago, and she had started dating this cowboy named Braden. Now, he's kind of like a funny cowboy. He's not a cow cowboy. He's like a fisherman cowboy. He's one of those cowboys that wears a cowboy hat, but not boots. I don't know. That's the kind of cowboy he is. And, you know, things were going fine. They met at church or whatever. And then he just showed up at my house and never left. And so they tell me we're going to get married. And she was 19 the day she got married. It was January the 4th, about a year and a half ago, the beginning of 2021. And I was given some very simple instructions about this wedding. Stay totally out of the way. Just pay for everything and don't ask about it. And I mean, this is, I'm just giving you the straight truth of the deal. And we want you to preach the wedding and we want to keep it short. Now you guys don't know me well, but that's what, like, I don't do that. But I was driving to the venue by myself on that Monday afternoon because I didn't go early to get in anybody's way. They were doing hair and makeup and food and all that stuff. And I was driving by myself and in my pocket on my phone were the vows. You know, you have to get the vows right and they're all kind of pre-done. But in terms of what I was going to say to my daughter and to Brayden at her wedding, I had nothing. I'm driving there, I've got nothing. I'm walking around on the grounds. I'm kind of throwing a couple ideas. All of a sudden, I'm holding her arm in my arm. We're like walking down the aisle, you know, and I give her away to my best buddy. And then I get up there and I turn around and I open my mouth and start saying words in English, I think. And I did keep it short and some things were kind of coming together. And I want to share, share with you what I told them. It won't take me long to do and kind of see what you think about that. You know, I know Nate's done, we've done so many weddings, but it's my daughter. And I was kind of like, what's the one thing? You always kind of have to get down to that. What's the one thing they've got to know? And so here's what I told them. I started with Jesus. I try to start a lot more conversations with Jesus than I used to. And I thought this is probably a good place for that. So I said, 
Jesus lived on this earth. He had a life on this earth. He had friends. He had a hometown. He had expertise in carpentry. He was living a pretty good life. But then Jesus understood that God had something better intended for him, that he had a greater purpose. But Jesus understood that you couldn't keep your old life and just like add on being a king. You couldn't be carpenter and high priest. You couldn't be in Nazareth and sitting at the right hand of God. Jesus understood that the only way to become what God intended for him to be was to end one life completely, like literally end it. People came to watch it happen so that he could burst forth into something totally new. I said, Hannah and Brayden, you've already made a decision like that. On the day that each of you were baptized, and I was there when Hannah was baptized, I baptized her. You had a life going on. You had goals and aspirations and things that you loved, but you also understood that your life is not what it was intended to be. That God had a greater purpose for your life and that there was a cleansing and a repurposing that God had designed. But you understood from Romans 6 because we studied Romans 6. You understood that it's not the same old me living the same life, but I like subscribe to Christianity. You didn't just add on being a Christian to the life you had. You understood, Romans 6, that you had to put an end to any life that wasn't a Jesus life. You had to end it. You bear, we gathered to watch you bury it in water so that what came out was not who you were. That person is gone, and now you are someone entirely new and only this new person. I said, I think you guys remember that. And by the way, I think that's more of what we should teach in baptism. If I could throw a little something out there and then just leave town. I think maybe we have more Acts 2.38 baptisms than Romans 6 baptisms. We have more, okay, I want my sins forgiven. God doesn't want to forgive your sins. He wants to start a brand new life that is not like the old life. Ah, you know, you got your same favorite places to eat and everything. By the way, none of this was in the, I got off track on the wedding, but... So I came back to the wedding and I said, listen, guys, in the same way, we are here today to see two people who had your life, you had your freedom, your choices, you were independent, and you both decided that God has something better intended for you. If you are just adding a mate to the life you're now living, this marriage will not last. Because you'll be like everybody else. You'll subscribe to marriage for a while, and then when you get tired of it, you'll just cancel your subscription. It's an add-on that you just take away whenever you're finished with it. But what if today is like Jesus on the cross? What if today is like your baptism? The life that existed before one another no longer exists. We, we're watching it die here in this room. And all that comes forth is two that is one. We, we do the Play-Doh illustration in our marriage classes, the blue Play-Doh and the pink Play-Doh. And if you give it to a child and they put it together for more than, I don't know, 20 seconds, it becomes like this brand new, weird, psychedelic color. It's like blue or blink or something. But the point is, like, it's no, you can't just go, oh, well, let's just go ahead and peel that back part and put it back in the containers. It's no longer the two colors. It's entirely something unique, and the old colors no longer exist. And so this wedding and this moment is a new beginning, the ending of one thing that you can't return to if you wanted to. Because it's dead, it's gone. And now all there is, is each other. And I did the vows and we left. I don't know what you guys think about that. But I got in the car driving home. 
And I try not to be cynical. I try to be like a really positive person about the church and faith and souls. But I was having this weird, negative, cynical moment. And I was driving home and I thought, maybe I just made a mistake. Maybe they're going to go on their honeymoon and come back and they're going to join a church somewhere, maybe not where I am or maybe where I am, and they're going to start looking around at Christians and they're going to realize that that's not what every Christian has done. They're going to see Christians that are pretty much living like they've always lived. They watch what they always watched and do what they always did and kind of, but they just like added on going to church. They just sort of added on a few extra responsibilities, but they're basically the same old person with just some churchiness in them. And they're actually going to see people just decide to stop coming to church. Can you believe that? Like, I think I'll just go back to the life before I was a Christian. So for those people, the life still existed. They just modified it for a while, and now they modify it back. What if they see that? And it begins to project itself on their marriage. Maybe we can go back too. Maybe there still is an old me. And I thought, we need to talk about to Christians what it means to become a child of God. Because it will renovate marriages, it will benefit my precious daughter wherever she goes, and maybe it can help you also. Let me be clear. I'm not talking about falling down, making mistakes, failing, committing sins, getting disappointed. We all are going to be on our knees begging for the wonderful mercies of God for, hey, anybody been married more than a year? All that stuff happens in marriage too. I'm not talking about them seeing perfect Christians. I'm talking about them seeing Christians who say, Lord, I have failed. I have come short. I am not where I want to be, but all there is is us. This is all there is. There is nothing else. That life doesn't exist anymore. I couldn't find it with the GPS and a dope-sniffing dog. It's gone. It's dead. This is all we are. That person will find a way to rise up. And I want that to be the way her marriage works. Now, to help you with that, I want to apply it to our Christianity today. And I want you to go with me to John chapter 12. There's one particular beautiful, simple piece of imagery that has been very helpful to me in my walk, and hopefully it will help you as well. Look in John chapter 12, please, beginning in verse 20. We'll read verses 20 through 26. Now, there were some Greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast. These came to Philip, verse 21, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip came and told Jesus. Now, listen carefully to this. Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Okay, I put the verse up here. I'm reading from the New American Standard. I like the wording of it. Your version may be similar, but Jesus has to tell them that it's almost time for him to be glorified. And they did not understand that that meant death. Would you agree with that? They didn't understand that it meant sacrifice and ending. They wanted him to be a carpenter king. You know what I mean? They wanted him to still be him, still be living his life, still be in their presence, and also be an amazing savior of the world. But they didn't understand. So he uses this imagery. I want to try to express this imagery to you using some animated articulations. Do we have any Veggie Tales fans here? 
Okay. So let's imagine this in veggie tail form, and I think you'll see what we're doing. Jesus said, let me tell you something. He said, there's this grain of wheat that grows. This stalk grows. Just the natural stalk. It's the way everything started out. And at the head of it is a grain head. And that grain head has a decision to make. He could just stay. He could say, you know what? I'm pretty comfortable here. This is where I was born. This is where I was raised. This is the life I know well. I think I'll just live out my life right here on the end of this natural stalk, not produce anything, not become anything different, just hang tight until the end. Now, hopefully we harvest that wheat and he becomes a tortilla. At least there'd be some value to him. But maybe he decides, you know what? I'm here for more than just the life that I was born into. So he does a very brave thing, and I want to give him accolades for this. He says, I have to break away from the life that I have known. So he starts leaning left and right. He leans a little bit in and out, and he starts kind of loosening up. And when the wind comes from the side, he leans just at the right time, and the wheat breaks away from the stalk and falls 10 feet away onto the ground. That was a major thing that he just did. I mean, think about what that means. It's saying, I'm now broken free. I'm independent. I'm out of my comfort zone. I have left the world that I have known for something new. Now, Jesus says, here's the thing. If he just lays there proud of himself for leaving the old life and just waits, he's just going to sit there and die of loneliness. He's going to sit there on the surface of the ground until he just sort of rots. So I don't even think you can make tortillas out of grain that's been laying on the ground. Now he's like a nothing. And he lays there because he has to make a second choice. This is so difficult to teach, but it's so important. Breaking away from the old life, that's great, but you have to make a second choice. He actually has to burrow a hole in the ground, fall into that hole, and cover himself up with dirt. He has to die. Now that's getting serious. Breaking away is one thing. Dying And being buried in the ground is something else. But Jesus says, unless he goes all the way down into that ground and dies to where he came from, then he will lay there alone for the rest of his life. But if it dies, then it can spring forth something new. And he sprouts new, and he becomes this beautiful plant, and he feeds many and changes. Jesus is telling this story initially is so they can understand what Jesus is going to do. In order for me, some teach that breaking away was like breaking away from heaven coming to this earth. That's not exactly the way I read it. I read it more like Jesus is living this life on earth. He's got to break away from that life, but not just break away from it. Not just modify it. Not tweak it a little bit with some Sunday churchiness. No, no, he's got to actually give it up and die. And because he died, he burst forth, as we sang a moment ago, and he became something new. So this is imagery to help you understand how far Jesus went to become who you needed him to be. Now, then he adds something else. In verse 25, he says, okay, that's the story of my glorification, but it's also the story of your glorification. And he comes in and says, he who loves his life loses it. In other words, if you want to stay on that stalk and you're not willing to break away and you can't summon up the faith, then you'll just die there. But he who hates his life in this world, who breaks free from it and dies to it, will actually keep your life to new life. If you want to serve me, you got to follow me. This is what I did. This is what you must do. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Let me tell you what I'm a little bit concerned with. I'll be out of here in an hour. You can forget you know me, okay? 
But this is what I'm a little bit concerned with in the church as a whole, a little bit concerned. That the church has a lot of people in it who are not who they used to be in the way they used to be. They've broken away from their old life. They've broken away from their old language, maybe the old substances they used to use. They've, they've broken away from their old friends, which is wonderful. If you've broken away from a life of sin and you're coming to church, that's fantastic. But it's only the first of the two things. But the problem is, I don't know that every child of God has been willing to actually like surrender that life. To burrow a whole, I mean, I've kind of like, I think for years I buried myself, but I made sure I could still breathe. You know, like, all right, Lord, I'm in. Here we go. All right. Can you, can you sprout something with that? Can you do something with that? And the Lord's like, no. You, your head's still, you can still see the old life. You're still trying to see a new sprout and see the old. And the problem is people who are trying to be not this, but also not that, the text says they get lonely. I think that there are people in the church who feel alone. I think there are people coming to worship on Sundays who don't know where they belong. I don't belong in the old life, man. I'll go to hell if I go back to the old life. I don't belong there, but I also don't feel like I fit in with fellow Christians. I don't feel like I'm like all in surrender. The preacher was talking about like humbly apologizing to others and like pouring the gospel. I don't know if I can do that. It's way too uncomfortable and hard. And so you just kind of feel out of place. And I feel very sad for that place, but I've been there. I know what it feels like. Good news. You've broken away from the life you used to live and you should be congratulated. Hard news. You need to die. You say, well, I was baptized two years ago. I'm telling you guys, a little bit of an epidemic among us. We have more baptisms than deaths. And I think we need to talk about that as a church. Like we have baptisms that are like, it's the right thing to do. This is more than that. I hope that my, my daughter and Braden didn't get married because it was the right thing to do and they wanted all the privileges, but they haven't truly given up a life apart yet. Maybe 10 years from now, they'll figure out and start doing that. What do you think? Maybe after Hannah and Braden have been married for 10 or 15 years, they'll finally go, you know, maybe we should give up our independence and we should actually only be with each other. It may be over by then. I'm afraid some in the church are laying on the ground and you feel it and you don't like how it feels and you don't know why you can't become what God wants you to become, but it's available to everyone, but not unless it dies. Now, let's talk about a few really positive things, because ultimately you're doing this because you believe in the glory of what God can do. So I'll make a very brief list. We're interested in a new life. I want to become, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, a brand new creature. I want to be forgiven of all my prior sins. I don't want the life that's outside of fellowship with the Lord. I want the Lord to sprout forth from my heart and soul a brand new, living, vibrant life that is filled with purpose. I want to bear fruit that helps people. I want to be something that Jesus loves growing in his garden. But I have to understand Ephesians chapter 2, that I'm not just being saved for salvation's sake. I'm being saved so that I can become his worker, so that I can carry out the work of the Lord. I want to have purpose. Do you know how many people are lacking purpose in our world? They don't know why they're here. They don't know what life is for. And they keep running into dead ends. And there are those who come to the church and they're kind of laying there on the ground. And they're still like, I thought I would get some purpose. You know, I've been going to Milwaukee Avenue for like a year. I thought by now I'd be like, oh, okay. 
I get it. I see what I'm here to do and why I'm alive and how God wants to use me. God does want to use you. Once you've died, he does. But not until then. Until then, this is just a subscription model. It's an add-on. It's a modification. Been going to church here for a while. Modification. God wants to give us new purpose, and it includes this beautiful new fellowship. It includes brothers and sisters in Christ who support us, who love us, and most importantly of all, who have also died. And that's the thing I'm here to talk about before I leave town. I want my daughter and my son who's 18 and my younger children, I want them to grow up surrounded by you guys. How many of you guys have been baptized? Man, that's like most of them over here. I want my young people to grow up around young people who go, we have died in Christ Our lives are Christ first, Christ only, and we have this beautiful new fellowship that's way different than the world. Are you concerned that some of us are not very different than the world? We're just a little bit different than the world. I'm a little bit concerned about that. I think our Netflix history might bear some of that out. Like we're kind of different than the world. We want a fellowship that is totally different than the world from the absolute inception of our new life onward. And then, of course, hey, let's go to heaven, y'all. Like, let's, let's end this thing in the harvest because we know one day that the reapers will come in and they will harvest. And we know that they're going to take all the weeds, you know, the junk that grew up, and they're going to carry it over here and burn it. And that's like all the people in the world who won't obey the gospel. And they're going to gather up all the new wheat all the new sprouts, and he's going to take them to heaven. But my question is, what is he going to do with the guy that's still laying on the ground? That's the question. What's he going to do in the harvest? He goes, well, you know, that's, uh, it's not these old weeds that he grew up in, but also like he has not burst forth into this life of purpose. He's just kind of laying there, looks lonely. He is lonely. What's Jesus going to do with that person? I don't know, but I don't want to be that person. And I think that's a sense of commitment that says, I want the new destination and the new purpose. So if we want that, we can have it. But I cannot have it unless I die. Jesus found glorification on the other side of death. My daughter and Brayden found justification on the other side of death. In some ways, their wedding was a funeral. And I'll remind them of that one day too. (laughs) And they come to me and go, I don't know if I can put up with this. I think I might. I'm going to stop you right there, buddy. You think you might what? Tell me what is, what is still available to you. Tell me what, what's still an option, because it's not you apart. We crucified that option. We stopped breathing that life, and we only breathe anew. Now, do people defy that, and is there divorce? There is, but it's not God's plan, and it can't be on the table. If it's not on the table, we'll always work it out. But here's what we got to do. we got to die. So I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts, a couple of harder ones, and then a couple that I hope will uplift you at the end. Go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. This is something that I had a chance to talk to our young people about from Friday night all the way through the weekend, this idea of removing ourselves from the middle of our lives, which is super hard to do. You know how hard it is to remove yourself from the center of all the decisions that you make? Are you aware that you are, in fact, at the middle, in the center of every decision and experience you've ever had? Everything you've ever seen, heard, or done, you were right there for all of it. But Jesus says, here's how it's going to have to work. I know it's difficult. And he's not asking for perfection. He's asking for acceptance. There's a difference. He's not asking for you to always get this right, but he's asking you to become this person who dies to self. Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 16. 
Look in Matthew 16, verse 24. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life, if he's still holding on to what was, he's going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Then he goes on to say, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Boy, that's... uh, that's the meat of the word, right? Like, that's the, that's the steak. You know, maybe after you've been a Christian, after you guys, creed, you've been a Christian for a few years, after you've been a Christian maybe 10 years, we, maybe we'll sit you down and talk about self-denial, you know? Like, after you guys have been going a while, maybe we'll sit down and go, okay, new step now. You've been a Christian for 10 years. Now we need to start making it less about ourselves and more about, like, I almost think that's kind of the way we process it. Jesus comes out of the box, the first thing in the world he says is repent. And the second thing is you got to deny yourself. It just can't be about you. I would almost rather our kids, and I shouldn't say this, I guess, but I would almost rather them run off in the world and make it about them and try whatever you think is going to be the best thing. And I'm not going to baptize you. Go for it. But when you come back and you find nothing fulfilling that is centered on yourself, let's end that pursuit. Let's stop that. Let's try full surrender all in. Let's not tweak it. Let's not tweak it and add a little blood of Jesus to it. Let's just quit it and go with it instead of what we sometimes end up with, which is a lot of this and that, and we baptize the same guy two or three or four times. Step one, I have to acknowledge as a mode of life that this is no longer about me. I will deny myself for the sake of Jesus. Because a life that set out just for myself died on that day. It doesn't even exist anymore. I live only for the Lord. That's the first thing that we have is the idea of die to self. Now, second to that, of course, is die to sin. And while I've been preaching this lesson for a little while, just last week, I decided to switch these two. Because previously, my first point was, okay, guys, if you want to live for the Lord, we have to die to sin. Secondly, you have to die to self. Let me tell you, if you don't die to self, you're never going to be able to die to sin. Like, it doesn't go sin first and then self. The first thing is, I don't live for the flesh. My flesh is a vessel for the Lord's use, not a vessel for my own investigation and joys. God will give you joy. He will fill you with pleasure. But once we deny ourselves, then we can finally decide that sin is dead in my life. At least as an accepted way of life. Go to Colossians for this. Colossians chapter 3 uses this language. Colossians 3, we can look at maybe the first 10 verses or so. Let's start in verse 1 and see what happens. Colossians 3 verse 1. Listen to the language. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, that's what happened when we became Christians, raised up with Christ. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. For you have, what does it say? What'd you do? You died. I died? You died. I thought I just got baptized. You died. I thought I just found this new addition so that my life can have some balance to it. There's no balance to life. There's you and there's Jesus. You died to this and you signed up for this. And he covered you with his blood and gives you mercies every morning and has prepared a way for you unto eternal glory. But we have died. And our life, our life is hidden with Christ in God. 
When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, so what? Consider the members of your earthly body as dead to, dead to, immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And you used to walk in those, verse 7. Everyone did when you were living in them, but now you put them aside. By the way, other things too, like anger and wrath and malice and slander and abusive speech and lying. You, you killed that man. That, that person is dead now. And you put on the new self who's being renewed to the true knowledge. Now again, it's okay if my daughter sees a Christian tell a lie. It's okay if my daughter and my son and my next two children are in the room when a brother comes forward and admits that he's battling pornography. It's okay for them to see Christians who momentarily introduce something foreign into a life that is dedicated to the Lord. That happens to all of us, but those people must be saying, this cannot be in my life. It cannot be. Because any life of mine that could ever accept it was killed that day and no longer has life in me. I'm much more concerned about hypocrisy, mediocrity, balancing it out, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of HBO, a little bit of the chosen, you know. I'm much more concerned about the compromise. Because there's this temptation in the church, you know, to have it all. Hey, I want to have it all. I want to have what I had and what's coming. And what you end up with, though, you think you end up with it all, but actually you end up laying on the ground with nothing and no one wondering what in the world you're even trying to do here. And you're alone. I want to die to self and die to sin, and that's a battle that I've never given up because there's no life to return to, only the Lord. Let me give you a couple of positive things. Go to Romans 14. We may as well throw a little Romans 14 in while I'm here. I mean, I'm, in, I'm, I'm going to be in the car in 20 minutes, so... Uh, kind of a controversial chapter, but it won't be right now. Romans 14 is about different things that people observe, like meats that they ate or festivals or different things. And you can decide what, what things fall into that. It's never opinion by both sides, only one. The other, it's law and it's the whole thing. But here's what's interesting about this. What I'm really doing when I'm dying is I'm dying two things, self and sin, but I'm doing it for God. Like I'm saying, I had a life that was for me, now I want to live a life that is for you. Now everything I do, the education that I get, the job that I take, the things that I enjoy in this world, everything now runs through the filter of for your glory for the rest of my life. That's how Christians should live. And you see it in Romans 14. I'm going to read, how about verses 5 through 9? And I'm going to try not to like emphasize it with my vocals, but I, I can't help myself. There's a phrase here in verses 5 through 9 that appears several times. If you're willing to underline this phrase, circle it, put a star beside it, take a picture of it, get a tattoo. This is important. Romans 14, 5 through 9. One person regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord. And he who eats does so for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. He who does not eat for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one of us dies for himself. For if we live, we live 
for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Do you see it? Everything you do, every conversation that you have, everything you watch, say, experience, Every part of your life now is in the Lord and for the glory of the Lord. Man, that's a great life. Some of us are like, I've had moments. I've had moments in my life where that's how I felt. I got up in the morning, I prayed, I'm like, God all day. Love the Lord, speak for the Lord, hold back my temper for the Lord, make decisions for the Lord. What I'm saying is, like, you can have that all the time. That can be your only, hear me clearly, your only identity. But that's the problem. It can't be one of your identities. Like I have this identity that's kind of like the old me a little bit. And I have this identity that sort of puts on a little bit of a mask sometimes, but my heart's right. I just, I'm struggling. And then I have this identity that's all, and you can't like switch it out. You have to eliminate every option in your entire existence except for the Lord. That's what it means. That's what Jesus did when he was hanging on that cross, suffocating, He was saying, I'm ending anything that is not for the Lord's glory. And then lastly, and this has to do with some of what we talked about, let's finish in Galatians 5, is everything you can see kind of changing. It starts with, wait a minute, maybe I have to decide my life's not about me. When you do that, the flesh stops reigning, and so does sin. And then your attention turns to serving God and also, of course, serving others. Galatians 5, Galatians 5, I'll say this one more time. Thank you guys for your good patience this weekend. Uh, teens did great. They wrote out these phrases. I am a vessel made by God, remade by God so that I may be filled with the Holy Spirit so that I can pour out the Holy Spirit into the life of every person that I meet and know. Like that's what it means to live for the Lord, but it also means I'm living for the benefit of other people. I want you to just say that to yourself and mean it if you can. I am living for the Lord and for the benefit of other people. I told you guys this morning, if you're just living to go to heaven, let's go. Like, let's get out of here. I think the Astros are going to win the World Series this year. I don't care what you think about that. I wore an orange tie. I don't care what you think about that. That's going to happen. You're going to have to live with that, I think. I hope I see that, but that's not what I'm here to do. I'm not here to see that. My son's going to be playing golf in college. That's kind of cool. I hope he wins some. I think he's going to win a lot. Maybe I don't, I don't know if I really think that, actually. But I want to see it, but you know what? That's not what we're here for either. I tell them that all the time. Luke, that's not what we're here for, buddy. Play if you want to play. Quit if you want to quit. That's not what we're here for. If we're here just to be saved, let's go. But if we're still here, it has nothing to do with sports or politics. It is to serve the needs of the people God puts in your life. That's exactly why you're still here. You wonder why you're still breathing? Now you know. Now, if you're laying here on the ground going, I mean, I see that, like, oh, that looks so great. Wow, you know, fruit and evangelism. And you're like, I just can't get there. You can get there, but not until you die, though. And I don't want to act like that's something simple. That's pretty tough. That's pretty tough. But what are your options? What are your options? At this point, you've broken away from the old life that wouldn't be here tonight. You don't want that life. Like, you don't want to be alone it's for the Lord. Just, we'll just finish with this. Galatians 5 talks about this great fruit, love, joy. We had the, the teens write it down. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's nine beautiful qualities. You should pray about one every morning. Just pick one every morning and pray about it. 
But why? So you can be awesome? Like, why? Why do you need love in you? Why is peace important in you? Well, chapter 6 tells you why. Because you're going to see people in your life who are caught in a trespass. But you're spiritual. You're filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, the whole thing. So you go out and you restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. You look to yourself. You make sure you're not tempted. None of us are above failures. Be humble. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. We are in this because God knows we need each other. People need the Lord and people need one another. And I can think of not, nothing more fulfilling in life than to get to the end of it. Having lived out 1 Peter chapter 4, the rest of my life, and maybe for some of us it starts tonight, right here. I'm going to live the rest of my life honoring the glory of God and helping people get to heaven. And I'm just going to tell you, when we get to the judgment and God says, I see that you decided to live the rest of your life serving my glory and helping people get to heaven. I got a good feeling about what happens after that. I got a really good feeling about what happens right after that. But there's going to be a real clear distinction between those who died and those who modified. I want to finish with this. Put them close in my Bible. I'm not a once saved, always saved guy in the traditional sense. I have to preface my next statement with that. I am not a Calvinist. I do not believe that once you have died to an old life, let's say you say you've died to an old life and and you go back to that life and you return to a life of sin and you go back to self and sin, that you're always saved or the Spirit always is there or Jesus' righteousness is like permanently implemented upon your body. If you return to sin, then you lose your soul. I mean, I don't believe that. that, that once you're saved, you're always saved in that way. But on the other hand, I'm a little bit of a once saved, always saved guy. Can I talk about that before we go? I mean, I'm almost, the car's already running. I backed it up. It's running. You guys don't know Hannah and Braden, but do, do you think it's possible for young Christians like that to get married and stay married for the rest of their lives, no matter what? You think that's possible? I think that's possible. If all they have is each other, if that's their only identity, it's not their new identity, it's their only identity. If all there is is each other, what exactly would they leave each other for? What would you go to? If there is only you now, plink or whatever, and there's not separation, then I know they're always going to be together because it is the only option they have. I kind of feel that way about faith. You say, Chris, be careful, because Chris, if you, if you decided to go back to your old ways, if you decided to go back to your old life and live like you used to live, then you will lose your salvation. To which I might say to you, what life? Like, there is no old life. That man is dead. Am I still a sinner? God knows I make mistakes. Am I begging for mercy every day? He gets tired of hearing me beg for mercy every day. I'm leaning on him every day. But any kind of life that isn't a Jesus life, I couldn't find it if you gave me a million dollars. It doesn't even exist. If the only life you have left is a life for God, then you are once saved and you are always saved because you will never, ever be anywhere but pursuing Jesus. Sounds good, right? man, that sounds good. I want it and you want it. You can have it, but not unless you die. It's tough. Thankfully, the Lord does all the work. He's just looking for faith and obedience. So as we conclude, I'm optimistic about a generation of believers and how many people out there need help 
from people who are all in. If you're not all in, if you're not a child of God, it is time to make the decision to go into the ground and let him transform you into something else. But if you're lonely, if you feel misplaced, please know that that is not God's plan for your faith. He has beautiful things planning, planned for you, and he wants to provide them. Will you, will you let him? Will you go all in, full surrender, and see what God can do? If, we want, if you want help, we want to help you, and we're thankful to help you. As together we stand and as we sing.